0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: This is a story about Hantokar, said a voice on the radio.
2: A voice you had never heard before, though she has been speaking to you
0: your whole life. I am Hantokar, the Destroyer. You've already been destroyed. You just don't know it yet.
1: Hey baby, it's me, Symphony. Ooh.
2: Hello, babe. It is me, Meg. The baby and I'm how.
0: <laughs> and this is Good Morning Nightvale, the show where people from Nightvale listen to Nightvale and then talk about Nightvale and talk about what you think about Nightvale. So if you like Nightvale, don't change that channel. This is not a radio show. And <laughs> it is April Fourteenth, twenty twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Tax Day is not tomorrow; it's Monday. So don't forget to set your taxes forward three hours. Oof, phew. <laughs> I know. I actually panicked about that, but. We're going to get them done, baby. Filed mine at the end of March.
2: Oh, nice. Finished mine today.
0: You're great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> way to
2: go, Hal. Way to go, Hal. Yeah. Way to go. Um, so we did it, guys. We're here. This is the episode description. Let's talk about it. This is a story about Honto Car. Okay. My friends, my friend, my
1: friends, I. Was fearful of this day. Mm. I was scared. I was. I was shitting. I was throwing up. I was uh-huh. uh, crying. I was so nervous. And I <laughs> loved this episode. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was frightening. It made me feel small. It made me feel huge. Uh, I. Loved it. The voice acting was amazing. Yes, like absolutely amazing. So big props to uh, Tina Parker, obviously. What were you nervous about? I was nervous. What had you? What had you shitting and throwing up? <laughs> I was nervous because I was like, "This is gonna mess up my reality of Night Vale." Mm. I was afraid. That it was going to be the end. I know it's not the end. Like, logically, my, my I know there's, like, currently 250-something episodes. Like, sure it, it didn't end at 109. But this character has been so pervasive for so long. Yeah, To finally be confronted with that character is a
0: big deal. Like, I felt like I was holding my breath. You, you know, in narrative storytelling, especially... Serialized and continuous and years long storytelling. When questions arise, these big questions that feel like the driving force of, like, what is the weird thing? You know, what is all this weirdness? And and there's part of it that thinks, well, maybe it'll never get answered, because oftentimes when things are answered, it mm. you lose something. Yeah, just like the the will they or won't they? Generally, when the couple gets together. In a sitcom, you've run out of well. Okay, they've now they're together. Yeah. Now what? And some some handle it well, some don't. But I do think that this, especially in a world that's been so open to interpretation, that to have have some of those questions answered is is even scarier because it's almost like are we losing some agency here? But I I think it was it was beautiful. Yes. It's all the things that you described the 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 same. It was kind of. I was kind of floored by it.
2: Yeah. And then just from a tonal standpoint, from a style standpoint, it's completely different than, I mean, it's single, single voice monologue narration. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Tina's yeah. voice is so different from Cecil's and her delivery is so different than a news report. Yeah, You know, it is like this sort of intimate, confessional, very slow, paced, delicate, feminine thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a brilliant performance. It really is. Like all the notes, hits every note and really pulls you in and has you sort of sitting not on the edge of your seat in suspense but just this sort of like I want to hear what Huntacar says next. I'm I'm drawn in and engaged immediately. Yes, it's really impressive. I was
1: very much invested in what she had to say, the stories that she could tell about like this time before in the mud wombs. Let let let's get into let's get into it. Okay, let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's
2: start at the very beginning, the mud womb.
1: It's a very good place to start. So the first thing I wrote was, "Uh oh, another person's voice." <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we've already discussed, Tina. It was amazing. But the mud wombs. Okay, so in the time before, and there were all there were these people, and they were just sitting there. Are these deities, these beings, these whatever? The glow cloud, which that's the thing I've been love. I loved about this episode too. It just brought all these things that pieces and characters back together, and you're like, ah. So, and you're like, your brain is going. Poof, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa. And then he went, shua. you know, wait, you know that vine or whatever, where he's like, it's an like interview of a guy getting interviewed after he was surfing. And he's like, yeah. And I, and the water went, shua, fuua, shua. okay, I'll send it to you guys later. <laughs> Anyways, that is what my brain was like. So the mud wombs, time before there's the woman from Italy, the far off Prince, the glow cloud, and then Hunter car. And they were there forever, not doing nothing. They were just like, chilling and I was like gods question mark or maybe they're just like some sort of higher beings and then all this stuff was created what do you guys think about that like the woman of Italy being one of those beings oh and the five-headed dragons
2: yeah oh yeah it's like the distant prince I had clocked but the woman from Italy I was like I did not think that she was a god I just and then the distant prince. I was like, I know you're mm-hmm. weird, and I know there's something here. I mean, I know the woman from Italy is weird too, but she seems more like a, yes. like a figment of horror than a deity. But then, hey, that's
0: what Hondo Carr says. It's it's weird to be listening to this episode while I'm watching Moon Knight, which is also for for those who who listen to this that are also Marvel fans, is getting into even more of the deities and the gods of of that universe. So the idea of of them being born and I I don't know, it's fascinating to me. It's, it's, it's the stuff I loved when I was a kid. I got really into Greek mythology, like really, really into yeah, it. Yeah, same. Everything in the school library, everything in the local library, kids and adults, just anything I can get my hands on. So I I love the mythology of gods and their creation. I love the, the woman from Italy dipped her hands into the stars, running her fingers through the great glowing coils of the universe. Like... That is just—it's really weighty, and it gives me really strong visuals throughout. Yeah. So I, I just—it's I, hard to get in and analyze this episode for me because I was so pulled into it just as a—I just enjoyed it as an audience member, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was that, but also I was like— I was getting all these pieces of information that like, and that was just so satisfying to me throughout, like that made me really happy. And like those experiences, I was like, yes, I let lo- I love how she was, she was like, she thought she was being helpful, but she just destroys things that her appearance scares people, but she didn't realize that, you know, the, which I've always thought like, even with Greek mythology and things like that and like our human minds not being able to fully comprehend something bigger than us, right? Something like more powerful than us, a being that is greater than we are and just not being able to actually understand, which makes sense because of the angels, how they're like, no, they're not angels and that all that thing. Cause they just, we just can't give in to admitting that something is existing of that magnitude. But yeah, I I loved that. And then it also got into uh, the multiverse-ness yeah. of this, um, when she starts out saying that there's many Cecils and many Night Veils and all that stuff. And that's where we get into the issue with the fracturing of the universes.
2: Yeah. It indicates that Cecil is special because... She says, I tried Cecil, sweet Cecil, who I tried to guide toward the truth, but I never could quite say the words, I am the destroyer. So, yeah, so she had, is was trying to use Cecil. And then there's the whole part about the many Cecil's. So it's like they say Cecil singular, but there are many of them. There's a Cecil who wouldn't listen. There was a Cecil who listened but couldn't comprehend, yada, yada, yada. So the, all the, the different versions of Cecil, but yeah, that they're. We It's I guess this episode kind of confirms that Cecil is some sort of special um because the God is trying to channel and guide through him,
1: but again, uh, small human mind no comprehende right i mean if I know that I don't believe in you know the man up there, but I do think that. The reason that we don't hear anything talking to us is because we can't, we don't understand the the message. We don't understand the things that are being said to us. So, you know, like the whole thing with angel numbers and like, you know, understanding like nature and things like that. I think those m- could be messages that we don't understand, but it's a little bit more direct in Night Vale when all
0: this weird shit is happening, right? Yeah. I also love the concept that she pulled Night Vale out of the rest of the world and sort of sequestered it in an attempt to protect it and watch over it. So that explains why we don't – the things that are normal everywhere else don't exist there because it has been separated out on purpose in an attempt to to save it, to keep it pure, to whatever, which obviously doesn't work. But – (laughs) <laughs> I also love the idea, you know, we we used—we have, since the dawn of civilization, since we could form yeah. thoughts and try to rationalize and justify things, religion has been a way to explain, you know, so the Greeks say, well, the why does the sun go across the sky? Well, it's because it's Apollo carrying in a fiery chariot. It right. goes the same way every day, and that's why we have the sun. And the reason why we suffer is that there are gods who— for whom we are playthings, and they want to torture us, and they want to see us do poorly. It's almost a way to, to to explain the unexplainable, and also to to create a lack of accountability. Well, I just have, you know, this happened because of because of the gods, because some playful god was was messing with me. So, this kind of supposes all right, well, that's what's going on here. The glow cloud controls minds. The distant prince likes to sort of play with like cruelly play with things. The woman from Italy is is terrorizing every everybody and everything <laughs> so it it's an interesting take on all of those uh, on all of those tropes or or just realities of of the of the idea of a collection of gods to explain it
2: right. And then there's the reality that we know. So going back to 1983 with the Able Archer, where there was the, the standoff where the drill was misconstrued and we almost had, you know, we almost had a nuclear war, but we didn't because it was realized in the last minute, but in the reality of Night Vale, it did happen. right? And that is why she had to break them out. So there's like, this sort of reality, and it's, yeah, it's a lot. So it's there's the reality that we know, where 1983, the world did not explode. But in their reality, right. 1983, the world did explode. So that's when that got chiseled out of there. So it's like bizarro, bizarro. Mm-hmm. It's opposite day, opposite day.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that, you know, and that whole thing that I, I wrote in big letters, I was like, BOMB! <laughs> I'm like we knew <laughs> we had been getting pieces and parcels of this uh in past episodes through tapes and uh little hints and clues throughout many of the episodes that we have covered these 109 episodes but we've noticed that some of our the people in our town of Nightvale had a little bit of forethought here. Like, Steve, he was able to see the lines and the dots and all the stuff in the sky. Mm -hmm. John Peters saw the uh, great—I remember him saying how he saw the great, like, darkness in the sky, you know, things like that. When we heard about the men with the crates, you know, the one who's not tall and the one who's not short, that whole thing. All of those things coming back together have really— like hearing her side of the story, I feel like it's one of those movies like Pulp Fiction where you're getting different people's side of the story, you know, different people's experiences, like around the same, like 24 hours or whatever, or movies of that ilk. And I just love that because it, you know, we've been living, we've been existing within the Night veil that Cecil is living, right? right? We're through this one lens, right? And being- Our Cecil. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, our Cecil, yes. Uh, Cecil Palmer, the one in our current, our reality. But then being able to see the other side of it from Hunter Car's perspective was, I, I felt sad mm-hmm. for her, scared for her, because she's tried, but she sounds exhausted. She can't save it, or she's... Done everything that she can, right? So it's uh it's also bittersweet because this godlike creature, this godlike person who has, for all intents and purposes, scared the living daylights out of people for and been worshipped by people with the meat crowns and whatnot, is helpless to do anything, right? <laughs>
0: The smell.
2: I just want to posit at this point that the meat crowns might be the weirdest thing about Nightvale. Yeah, I'm okay.
1: How? Do, I don't know how you imagine the meat crowns, but here's how I do: that it's ground meat that has been shaped, but not with anything, not around anything. It's just like clumps of points of like ground meat on your head. Very unstable. I don't, Do they put an egg in it to keep it together? What do they do? Yeah, and a bread. Is it like a
2: meatball? Yeah, you gotta. A little some
0: breadcrumb. Some progresso. Okay, tell us.
2: My mind canon for soft meat crowns is um, if they're like sausages. Okay. Um, and they're like, like a balloon animal hat. <laughs> uh,
0: that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's good. I love that. I like that. What do you think the meat crowns? <laughs> Mine is uh, is like the framework of a crown, okay. but like kebab style, so there are cubes, cubed raw meat all over it. So you can have different patterns like, oh, there's some lamb and beef with chicken and turkey. So it kind of sets it off color-wise. And the smell.
1: <laughs> do you think it makes you more high class to have
0: multiple meats or it's just crafty? Okay you just like I pe- just a way to okay. express yourself you know I don't want to get into the better or worse I've been wearing the same t-shirt for two days it's not my it's not my place to say you're like who am I to judge
2: <laughs> yeah please please write in and um, tell us what your mind canon for the soft meat crown is yes
0: very important immediately immediately
2: <laughs> you've got an assignment Night Veil. Vale. The only reason that I'm wearing a fresh shirt is because the shirt I was wearing prior, my daughter got completely soaking wet because I was giving her a bath and she thought it'd be a good idea to climb out of the bath during the bath onto me. Sure. I mean, it was a good idea for her. Yeah.
0: Didn't work out well for you.
2: Well, yeah. (laughs) Just needed a new
0: shirt. Exactly. Did
1: anybody else catch the shade that was kind of thrown at the faceless old woman um, by uh hunter car i mean i don't know if it's shade but more like she was like she said she was a loop what a closed loop of a person ouch Uh, the shade i mean how how is that nice a closed loop of a person it doesn't girl it would be on site if somebody said that about me i'd be like it would be on site yeah i'd be like pull up bitch And then we would fight. Step. No, I don't fight. I'm too pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I just talk a whole lot of shit. (laughs) This episode is definitely explicit. Pull up. That's good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And mark them all explicit. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Because there's no way that they're not. (laughs) I don't know if everybody,
0: have either of you seen Spider-Man No Way Home? I haven't seen it. I've been wanting to sit down and watch it because it's one of the only marvels I haven't seen. Well, it deals with the multiverse and right the, and the image of all of these realities collapsing onto one another. I feel like I have a strong visual from No Way Home in my head to what that looked like. Honestly, I think of uh, the Doctor Strange stuff. Yeah, like well, he's involved the, in that scene. He's there, see? trying to seal all Maybe these I cracks have seen in the multiverse because the multiverse is trying to come in. Oh, I did see yeah, it's all it. You're right. Purple, yeah, I did yeah see he's it. on top of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's the uh, that's what comes to mind immediately. By the way, Doctor Strange, Yikes. the multiverse of madness coming to theaters May 6th. I
1: wish they was uh, giving us some money for that. That'd be great. I wish. Yeah. I wish
0: they would just send me a copy. Marvel, of you it. got deep pockets. Yeah, I don't want to go on, out. Disney. Don't make me go to the drive-in and watch bad. Like, the way that Black shows up on a drive-in theater is already bad. Oh, it's great. Then, yeah. then people who drive in, like, oh, it's been an hour. Let me drive in with my frickin' high beams Full. on. Yeah. But, you know, the things we do for Don't love. Don't be that guy. Oh, no. the things we do for love. Wait, do you, take, do you take your wife to the drive-in? She will not go. And she does not <laughs> so, like that I go. <laughs> but what are we going to do about it? I go, I get a bucket of popcorn, I get my snack. Last time I hadn't eaten, I had two hot dogs, popcorn, and candy. Are you biased? <laughs> yeah. But I didn't, I didn't, like, shit my pants or fart anywhere. I didn't. It was fine.
2: And you had the windows rolled up? How did you have two hot dogs and popcorn and not fart for three hours?
0: I held it like a champ. I Maybe I did. Who knows? Who knows what happened? Were you alone in the car? Yeah. No, I invited strangers in.
2: <laughs> said, you
0: there. You there, boy. You look cold. Come in. Come in, come in from out of the cold. I've got a nice popcorn. <laughs> Sit in my Honda. I'll give you a, a farthing's worth of popcorn. Oh, the snack bar is so good. Oh, I'm, I'm actually I excited. Love I'm excited to go back to this movie theater.
1: I love a drive-in. Uh, yeah. it, it brings a nostalgia. It does. But the last time I went was for holiday movies, like around, and it's cold as hell here, mm-hmm. and. It was fogging up the windows, and so like we had to keep like turning the car on, yep. and then like defrosting, and we couldn't get the
0: sound to work right. Oh, have not had that issue that, here because it's just a radio <laughs> station, so it's it everything works well, and it's California, so you don't have bad weather. But do like if you're in if you're in SoCal or somewhere that is a that is a decent climate year round, and you go to the drive-in, get your car washed first. You don't think about that, but if you have a dirty windshield. Can, can be less oh. enjoyable to watch get that car clean sure do it for yourself get some windex you can just do that part turning into andy rooney well these people don't wash their cars
2: in my day we washed our cars we went to the drive-in i've never been to a drive-in
0: wait what oh you should yeah. go oh
1: i should go do you want? Know Drive-ins are great. They're nice. We almost
2: went to go see Jackass Forever at a drive-in, but it was just like we'd have to bring the baby. And yeah, it's like we have to uh, yeah. bring the sleeping baby to the drive-in to see Jackass Forever.
0: <laughs> did you watch? Uh, did you watch it on Paramount Plus? I did. We have watched outside it on of Paramount the spider Plus. stuff. I really enjoyed it. I, I, could, I was once say, the spider. they were like, look at these fangs. I was Like, nope, bye, bye. No, no, skip, skip,
1: delete. Get rid of my pers- my oh. subscription.
2: <laughs> yeah, I really babies. enjoyed it as well. I mean, I love Jackass.
0: It's the new blood was good. Poopies,
2: poopies, poopies, <laughs> poopies. Yeah. Oh, oh.
1: It's a simple thing, to you guys. It's a simple thing. Mm-hmm.
2: It really is. It is. Anyway, back to this show. Anyway, so also, the, this is sort of an mm-hmm. apo- like a really beautiful apology. Yeah. Like, does she? I don't think she ever says like I'm sorry, but she's there's just a lot of like taking responsibility and not making excuses.
1: No, I don't think she, she doesn't apologize exactly, but she definitely regrets things that she did, you know, because she does say like she wouldn't, if she, basically she had to do it again, she wouldn't do it like that. Like, she was like, I tried to save them and I destroyed them. I think she feels bad. Yeah. The gods are about to go to war. Or whatever that means for, for a god. Yeah, I know she just doesn't, she doesn't want that. Oh, I like that she said that damn beagle. (laughs) Fuck that beagle. Yeah, because the dragons are pissed. So that's interesting that, you know, because of the whole Hiram thing, that was set into motion so long ago, it seems like. And Hadassah's been furious and all the other dragons have been, like, pissed and, like, little does nightville know that they just they kind of screwed the pooch here by further angering them so i hope i hope they i hope we find hiram again and ugh, i don't know what you do about the the one but i just want i just want peace i want everyone to be feel peaceful yeah but that
0: doesn't make for a very good story right and <laughs> then nothing happened <laughs> Meg, I the the line of apology I like the most is you'll understand that she destroyed only out of a loving desire to save you. May you perceive her as foolish and naive rather than monstrous. Yeah, what a great what a great thing to hope for is like I've done the wrong thing, but for the right reasons, and I hope that you will see that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, she, yeah, she says intentions never matter. I am the destroyer. Right.
1: Whether she intended to be a creator or whatever, like, unfortunately, she is who she is and she could only do what she could do, which is a bummer and sad because, like, if you're like, everything I touch, I destroy. (laughs) Yeah. Ouch.
2: You know? And she's just chill vibes too. Like she never, yeah. like she was just like, they love me. Let's let's hang out with them. I gotta save them. They love me. I used to sit in the lake for ten thousand years. Like she's, <laughs> she, like the the god of Night Vale is the most chill vibes god.
1: <laughs> I was I was gonna say the and, most emo. Like just like, yeah. uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, so I'm not so sp- uh, spooked out and set. Uh, like I'm more. Sad and I more feel for a hunter car, so now, if I see a hunter car out there, I will not run away immediately well, now, because of covid, but you know i w- I will give you a knowing nod from far away,
2: yeah. So we get towards the end of this episode and we're not in a good place. Nope. Cecil, sweet Cecil, whose life lies directly on the fault lies of this broken reality. He narrates his own ending without realizing it. Oh, without realizing it is his ending. He does not understand what is happening to him. Right? So we're like, okay.
1: But do any of okay. us, but really, do any of us really, you know what I mean? Like, that's, isn't that life? Like, you don't know <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen. We don't have like a, A book that says, okay. And then she lived fine for like 70 more years. And then she died, you know, on this date. Yeah, you have hopes and fears. And that's what keeps you going on and moving and striving and trying to, uh, you know, do stuff for your life and for your family. But like, woof. But
2: does your life lie directly on the fault lines of a broken reality? Maybe. Who knows? It certainly (laughs) feels like it these days. I know. She had to put a name to it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. These past two to four years have definitely felt like we're on the
0: mm -hmm,
2: fault line of a broken
1: reality. I'm standing on the precipice of a broken reality. Sounds fun. I'm into it.
2: Well, let's see. Well, how how are they going to get us out of this pickle this episode? They they answer a lot of questions, but then they ask so many more. I
0: guess we're going to find out soon.
2: Up next, we hear from
1: fans and friends of the podcast, but first a conversation about this episode's weather. This episode's weather was Full Metal Black by The Royal they Loved it. This was heavy rock. I love a uh lady fronted rock group. And this made this song made me like. It was perfect for I think this episode. I also made me made me feel really like punk, like, I wanted to wear leather and, like, kick a garbage can over and maybe go skateboarding. That's how I felt.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like this this little punk tune and this little punk band, The Royal Bay. They're a punk band out of Brooklyn, New York. They, uh, King Pizza label, which is also the same label as The Rizzo's, who we have nice. had weathers from before. I, uh, yeah, they used to be a big Brooklyn punk band, toured around a lot. And then they sort of, I think they're, they're still making music, but they've kind of gone their own way during the pandemic. The lead singer-guitarist, she is a doctor now. She's a medical doctor. She graduated med school. I saw that on their on their band camp. Yeah. So they're out there in the world doing it. Yeah, it's a banger. And, uh, yeah. I think it's it's a banger. Yeah.
1: Also, Full Metal Black is just like, ooh. That sounds like.
0: Yeah, it's a great name.
1: Really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that sounds like a color of, like, a lipstick or something. Or, like, the color you could get, like, a really cool car or something.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds s- sexy. Full metal black. You know, it's not sexy. What? But delicious. Mm. A calzone. Mm.
1: Maybe a little.
2: Slice in. A fanzone calzone. Fanzone calzone.
1: Maybe a little sexy. Yum yum yum. Stay right there. Good morning, Nightville. We'll return after a brief
2: break. Okay. We hear from Ivy. Ivy writes, "Hi, Meg, Symphony, and Hal. I hope this is a good time to email you about episode 109, a story about Hantokar. I'd say it's a perfect time." This is one of my favorite episodes of Night Vale. As a kid, I wanted to be a witch. Who didn't? That was me saying that. I've always been interested in mythology, and I've always believed the world was more magical than we give it credit. A few years ago, I started dipping my toe into paganism, researching different gods and mythologies to see if I connected to any of them. Unfortunately, I found that many popular gods goddesses were not exactly people I'd want to worship. So many old stories are about gods doing terrible things because they're jealous or fickle or simply because they feel like it. Then I heard this episode. Listening to Hundekar's story, I fell in love with her. I know she technically destroyed the world, but she did it out of love for her people— I wish more gods acted out of love for their worshippers instead of their own self-interests. I like that Hantokar is just trying to do her best, even if it ends up being catastrophically wrong. Anyways, three years later, I am a practicing witch. I don't work with any mythological gods, just the moon and my Night vale tarot cards. I still love Huntokar, and I made a cool mask of her, which I was planning to wear to the live show last year. I love the show, and I think you guys are awesome. Thank you for all your do. Ivy. Oh, Ivy. Um, and then Ivy sent pictures of the mask, which I can put on the Patreon so people can see <gasps> yeah. what this really super cool Honda car mask looks like that Ivy so made. So
0: good! I also dig the dining room table it's sitting on. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a nice dining room table. Um, I liked what Ivy said about just trying to do their best. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of... So the magic of Night Vale itself is that it's like, it's good people just trying to do their best. yeah. And I guess it makes sense that the god of Night Vale would be a god just trying to do their best. And of course it goes catastrophically wrong, but right. not out of malice. But yeah, I
1: wouldn't uh, consider Huntokar one of the people that just is really bad at their job though. Because they are really doing their best. And unfortunately, there's circumstances that were out of their control. Honestly, it's not Hunter Car's fault that people got the bomb thing, that they were gonna bomb each other, right? How? Oh. Hunter Car didn't make them do that. So I feel like, you know, you're doing the best with the situation at hand. So thanks, Ivy. Up next we have Katie. Katie writes, Hello. I hope this email finds you well and that I am not too late to write in about a story about Hunto Car. I love this episode and think it's important because it represents the beautiful paradox at the heart of, Night- of Welcome to Night Vale. Hunto Car's story explains exactly what's been going on and why Night Vale is so weird but because the explanation is parallel universes falling in on each other in a way our mortal minds cannot fathom, it leaves a lot of room for weird shit and allows for the lack of rational timeline and universal rules. I love listening to other people's fan theories, but never created any of my own because I don't see the Night vale universe as a finite space. To me, it is a Looney Tunes universe with few or no consequences— or a surrealist realm where things are creepy and profound and gorgeous and do not make any rational sense. And that's okay. Just like life, something does not have to make sense to be art or to touch your soul. You just have to fucking like it. So yes, I think this episode is great as it both explains everything and also says that anything goes. Anyway, I love your podcast, y'all make me snort laugh while listening at work, and you always make me hungry. Enjoy the attached pic of my dog, Cora, in a Night vale brand collar as payment for listening to this ramble. I'll see you in Boulder in May. Best. KDP. P.S. The cult that owns the Yellow Deli might have caused a big fire near Boulder around the new year. They are still investigating, but the deli is closed and things are weird here now. PPS, I am a witch, and the amount of mystical shit in Welcome to Nightvale makes me very happy. Nightvale's tarot deck is also great for shadow work. Let me know if you ever want tarot readings. And then there's a very cute picture of a sweet little dog. Right. Oh, in very cute collar. We love it, Katie. And yes, you know what? I also have taken this approach to Night Vale many times. I just accept that everything is weird there, and I, you know, I didn't really have too many like mind cannons other than like how certain things look or or, or whatever. But like as far as the story or why they're like that, I I was willing to suspend my disbelief and just be like, eh, that's just the way it is there. And I really like approaching a story that way. But it is cool to find out more. Um, about Hunto Car. And I really enjoy your thoughts on that. It explains that everything,
0: it allows everything to be weird and gives us room for that. So thanks a lot, Katie. Well, in case you thought the multiverse wasn't real, I have another Katie writing in. Katie writes. "What? That's right. Hello, Wondrous Tri-Hosts. Since I first listened to it, this episode compelled me in its portrayal of hubris, haunting depictions of nuclear warfare, and more, but from a lore perspective, it is also very rich. The origins of the religion of Nightvale were fascinating as an explanation for some reasoning behind strange and arcane traditions, and how tragic it is that they are now devoid of meaning. As someone who briefly participated in a novel religion—hello to any Mangoists listening—I enjoyed the creation myth and characterizations of the gods, as well as the foolishness of Hantokar. I loved the confirmation of the divinity of the glow cloud, all hail." "'Recently, I was struck by a fairly obvious theory about the planet of an awesome size lit by no sun. Although one could argue it is part of the multiverse, I think that it is either a grim reaper-adjacent harbinger of death or a physical manifestation of the terrifying nightvale afterlife. Instead of being summoned by some god of crossing over, the fated individual is irresistibly drawn to the place. The humanity of that makes it rather disturbing.'" The buildup of foreshadowing in very early episodes, such as the squatter in the earth sciences department, makes me wonder how much of Nightvale's backstory was mapped out from the beginning. Also, do his interpretations of the glowing lines and arrows in the sky qualify Steve as a prophet? Katie. Well, first of all, I think the one thing we've established in talking to Jeffrey and Joseph multiple times is that they did not plot this out from the beginning. And that's kind of the beauty of it is it went off in the directions that it did and then they found a time to tie things back together. And also, yes, Steve is a prophet. I like to think that this version of Steve, at least, yeah. can see what's going on. But I'm sure there are other versions of Steve that don't know or that that see it and, and dismiss it or that see it and interpret it the wrong way. That's the beauty of the multiverse, Katie. That is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Good Morning Night Vale and welcome to Night Vale. Our next episode is 110 Matryoshka. Until then... Good morning, Night Vale. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Meg Bashwiner, and Hal Lublin. It is edited by Felicia Dominguez and mixed by Vincent Cachione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at to share your theories and ask questions or to tell us if you are a witch. This show is powered by our patrons like Freya, Greg Stovell, Hannah Jones, Hope Mazika, and James Lee. If you are interested in supporting this show in exchange for lots of fun, exclusive, insider hyper cool kid content, check us out at patreoncom Good Morning For more info on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Joella Knapp, Jeffrey Craner, and Joseph Pink. The calzone ingredient of the week is, saying, it's probably just allergies. I'm a witch too.